We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined as always by Darius and Mike. And the Lakers imploded in Game 5 with a 30-point loss. Phoenix is a better team than the Lakers are in the absence of Anthony Davis. And so there's no shame in losing a Game 5 to them, certainly on their home floor. But that's not what happened in this game. I mean, well, they certainly did lose it, but being down by 30, no matter a talent discrepancy at halftime goes beyond making shots goes beyond. We're missing a key player. And I thought we lost our spirit very quickly in that game. Devin Booker had 18 points in the first quarter. I thought we were too conservative in our coverages. We ran a lot of drops there. This isn't a game where we're going to talk, or at least I'm not going to talk a ton of X's and O's stuff, but we were very conservative in our defense. Booker got to step into a lot of his shots early on, and I felt like that staggered us. If this was a boxing match, that's somebody that was a a period where, because we came out okay. We had like a 10 to 5 lead. I thought we had the right energy and spirit, but Booker really going off in that first quarter was like a boxer getting stunned by a, a left hook. It didn't knock him down, but we were certainly, you saw the legs get a little bit wobbly. And then that second quarter was the knockout punch where the Lakers were just awful. I think we shot 12% in that quarter. Uh, but I thought that was set up by that Booker first quarter. And so my biggest disappointment in this game is not a loss. It's the lack of spirit and how easily that we gave up, which has been a that that lack of being in the moment and competing on every play 
it has been a that's been a theme throughout this season in in, in a lot of uh, in a lot of instances. And anyway, I'm curious on your thoughts on that D because that was if we're going to have a chance in Game Six and, and beyond. That is the most that's the most foundational ingredient of all. And that's what I'm most concerned with right now. Yeah, the competitive spirit was lacking, to be sure. They were up 10 to 5. I think after that, and maybe my math is wrong here, they were outscored 43 to 17 at one point yeah. for the next yep. stretch. Mm-hmm. And there was a 14, 14 nothing run right away. I think everything contributed all the circumstance contributed to their lack of response, I think. And it's hard for me to take out of context the fact that the Lakers did not have their best performing player in this series, basically, in the games that the team has won, has been Anthony Davis. It has not Mm -hmm. been LeBron James. It's been Mm -hmm. AD. And before, before the series started, we had sort of, build this as this idea of, all right, well, it's Phoenix's guards against the Lakers bigs, like the size advantage. And AD is the principal piece of that. The This Lakers team, and, and it wasn't a playoff game. The, the game plans were not playoff level game plans, right? But three weeks ago, Anthony Davis kicked this team's ass mm-hmm. and beat them without LeBron, without Dennis. And it was all on AD's shoulders. He is the difference maker for this series. And in a lot of ways, he is the difference maker for the Lakers within the context of what their championship aspirations are. I've said this before that, that LeBron is their floor. AD is their ceiling. Mm -hmm. Right. And so the lack of ability to respond, the Lakers got kicked in the teeth and they didn't really fight back in a way. And, And I'm sure the coaching staff is disappointed by that. Like, I know fans are disappointed by that. I was disappointed by that. Mm -hmm. Um, My wife was in the other room doing some work. She said, how is the game going? And I said, the game's over. And and she said, what do you mean? And I said, there's, I don't know, five minutes left in the second quarter. The game's over. Mm -hmm. It was very apparent in this game that 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 was over early. And look, Mike, Pete, who's the guy in the text thread when the Lakers are down 15 at any random point during the game that says the Lakers are winning this game mm-hmm. or like this game ain't over. Yeah. You don't, you aren't quick to give up and, and uh, yeah, I'm not the guy to pull the plug on, on a game, but this one, it was clear to me and there's a lot of reasons why it was clear, but there were there were some schematic things that did not go well beyond just the Booker stuff, but mm-hmm. from a just from a performance standpoint, was was there one thing above everything else that you thought that contributed to this loss? And if your answer is they didn't have AD, I like I think that's more than fair. But is but if that is your answer, is is there something beyond? that 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 you think mattered the most within the context of of how this game developed over that last part of the first quarter and into the second quarter stretch because that's where the game was lost yeah so that there's a specific answer for that and i want to get back to that if we can because i want to speak to your earlier point is more of more of like a global look at where the team's at right now and it's funny because the last really all season right we've kind of had you've 
I've almost been more on the, hey, they'll be fine if they're healthy. LeBron AD, all of this stuff aside, half-court offense, rotation, all that. And they were for the most part, right? So it, with AD, they were in somewhat control of the series uh, and certainly going to be the favorites uh, to win it. I think they come back in that second half and probably win game four. Then game five is even different. So all of, all of that, uh, I think, remains true. But once once he went down, you know, I don't that like in our text thread, Darius, you alluded to that. I was the first one for this game to be like, yeah, they don't have it. Yeah. You know, yeah. like they, and so and you were you kept the optimism going for a little bit. And it just they are built. And this is something to kind of kick the Pete before we get back to the specifics on this one. This team was so clearly built on a system that worked last year towards a title. Two stars. The rest of the guys, some step up on, on one night, some step up on the other. Some guys hit shots, some don't, but they all defend, right? They all know their roles, and they didn't have a chance to really work on and establish something this season, given no practice, given the injuries. And all, they, did, they don't have something else to go to. And that's what I thought, if you want to kind of zoom into this game, Phoenix is packing the crap out of the paint. And... They just LeBron's getting in there with he's got three or four defenders. He's spraying it out to shooters and they're just all missing. And the and the, it builds on itself with this team. And so there was they could not crack the paint. Then Phoenix can pounce. Then they're the aggressor. Then they're going to get the calls because they're the aggressor. So it all that's how a snowball happens. And I just I think it's related to all of this. But, uh, you know, they got their ass kicked. LeBron said it verbatim. As we said after the game, we got our ass kicked. And it's it's because of a lot of those things. But Pete, I tried to give it sort of that context moving into this. And then I I thought that did, though, also just play out in a one game setting, even though they knew AD wasn't going to play. A hundred percent. And this goes back to a lot of the you've heard me say the word cohesion so many times on the pod. And last season we had LeBron and AD and we had cohesion. Right. And so what does that mean? What let's I I just want to get into that concept a little more on how that applies to a series like this is there are certain actions and we were talking about this earlier, but so much of the lens of how X's and O's in the NBA work and how the strategy of the game works is viewed through the, through the lens of play design when what is much more important is players knowing how to play with each other. And there are a lot of circumstances where you do what's called the read opposite. And what that means is when there are two players, there's a first player who's going to make a decision. And that might be, do I roll to the basket or do I pop out beyond the three-point line? And how another player reacts to that will be based upon the decision that that guy makes. And so there's a level of coordination to basketball. And this is this speaks to the point I've been talking about, about giving the ingredients enough time to bake. And it, it, you may have all these wonderful ingredients, but if they don't know how to play together, then you lose a lot. And we see a massive continuity and cohesion discrepancy in this series in particular, in that when one guy on Phoenix does something, the corresponding player that is reading opposite off of that is doing it right away. Because they've done it hundreds, thousands of times over the course of the season in a way that has not happened for the Lakers this year. Now, that is not the most important thing. The most important thing is talent, right? And so when we have LeBron and AD, even my worries and anxiety about, hey, we haven't gone through this process of learning how to play together, LeBron and AD are still the two best players in the series, right? And, And so 
that can cover that can paper over a lot of it. But Darius, in the absence of one of them, yeah. you really see a lot of the disorganization and discombobulation. I don't think you even know need to know a ton about basketball to have watched this game to have been like, oh wow, one team's really disorganized compared to the other. So there are little things I watch for during any given possession that they stand out to me and maybe they don't stand out to other people. And that doesn't mean that I have some keen eye or anything. It's just the way I watch the game. Certain things matter to me. They may not matter to anyone else, but they matter to me. And it influences the way that I view how the sport is being played and what is aesthetically pleasing to me or aesthetically not just how things are going. One thing I watch for is how often one player has to tell another player where to go. Right. And this is a great point. Yes. It doesn't have to be something big. Right. And so, and I'm going to make a distinction here. There are times where LeBron is setting something up specifically and he is moving players around the court in order to position them in a way based off of a plan that he sees in his mind in order to execute a a very specific thing he wants to get done on that given possession. Right. It's not they are lost or in the wrong spot. It's just LeBron has a different conceptualization of how that play should go. Yeah, and he's like, Kuz, no, I want you in that corner. And and it may Mm -hmm. be the players, and it may be specifically based off of which players are in what spots. Like it may be Kuz in one corner and KCP in the other, and he will tell Kuz and KCP to like switch sides or Kuz go stand where KCP is. KCP lift up, right? Because I want this to look like this instead. And so that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is when the ball gets reversed to like the top, top of the key, and then you see one player stand. And then that one player that's standing is supposed to be doing something else. And someone then instructs him like, no, you're supposed to be moving to the corner now Mm -hmm. because based off of the way, based off of the pass that I just received, the next thing that's supposed to happen is you go over there. And those, those are not things that should be happening. And I think the reason why it happened in this game, and this is a microcosm of the season, this game really, so they played everybody and part of that. So just take out the complete garbage time, which which is, you know, McKinney. But in the first half, they played basically everybody but Harold. So off the bench, mm-hmm. you know, you like in that that just goes to show you Vogel was just searching for something on offense. And, and part of that you get. But everything that Darius just said, all those things you're looking for. The reason that all the things all those things happen is that these guys haven't played together in specific units, whereas Phoenix, the only change that they made all season was basically playing Kaminsky or Sharish, the backup five minutes. Everybody else has been locked in to their spot in the rotation. And this is the thing that we've, we have spent a lot of time in an ideal world. The Lakers figured some of that out, but guess what? They didn't have to do that last year just because of the unique way that it, all, everything broke down and their starters stayed healthy. And so they could, Vogel could kind of pick and choose a couple of things at the five, but that that almost hasn't even been an option this year based on all of the guys that have talent that you've it's hard to keep off the court like Marcus Gasol or Montrose Harrell or Wesley Matthews or THT all guys with legitimate arguments to play and mm-hmm. it, it just ended up that tonight to me was a was a, a real microcosm of what happened for the whole season and it's not just on one side of the ball so we've been focusing a lot on offense 
there's a reason for that. The Lakers have been losing games, this game notwithstanding. The two games before this, before game five that the Lakers lost, Phoenix scored 100 points and 99 points. They won games basically not scoring the ball well themselves. And so a lot of the Lakers issues have been on offense, right? But tonight, Pete, I thought the bigger issues were with the Lakers defense for sure. And a lot of that, like, Oh, I'm not in the right place or I'm not going in the right direction or I'm not making the rotation. That stuff was, that stuff was so evident on so many of the open threes mm-hmm. that the Suns were getting. Mm-hmm. And it's no wonder to me why Vogel was – I watched some of his his postgame availability. He seemed a mix of like disappointed and frustrated and to a certain extent defiant moving forward because he knows – he knows the competitive spirit of his team. And tonight he didn't get it. Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a certain amount of WTF when when it comes to that and a certain amount of frustration. And and I think that that speaks to the point that Mike just made about he went to every possible player and different lineup types and combinations. He was shuffling Drummond and Gasol in and out of the lineup. It seemed like every three or four minutes because like, oh, Mark doesn't got it. I'm going to Dre. Dre don't got it. I'm going back to Mark. And there's no AD at the five. I I will say, like, Trez, yeah, we could talk about that. In, in those circumstances, when we needed a bucket, Trez may have been helpful in, in the absence of AD, right? But that's – anyway, continue, continue. Yeah, like, it was whack-a-mole. This, like, For sure. Look, look, AD is AD. Like, there's no replicating him. But I think our general – feeling about this game i and i don't want to speak for the both both of you but but i will anyway <laughs> um <laughs> that the 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 disappointment i think is that they did know ad wasn't going to play he wasn't a late scratch it it was sort of just like it was pretty clear and the sense around the team my my guess was that oh well he's going to try to give it a go and he'll go like he'll go out there and warm ups and not not in warm ups but pre-game stuff like an hour or two before the game and, and see where he's at phys- physically but all the reporting around this over the last you know 36 hours or whatever was like yeah it's unlikely that ad is going going to play so it wasn't a surprise that he didn't suit suit up and so the general response from the team after taking that first sort of punch to the gut right pete is that you expect them to wobble some lay up against the ropes for you know 20 seconds or 30 seconds and then when the next round starts it's time to go out there and fight back Right. But that's not what happened this game. And, and so the, uh, I think our dis, disappointment is is around some of that stuff, or at least mine is. Yeah, they could have played a very good game and played with competitive spirit tonight and still lost by eight, you know, lost by 10 in a game that may not have been all that close, but was not this right. Not a loss by by 30 or down by 30 at halftime. Our guards in particular um were were really rough tonight from that perspective. I loved Schroeder when he 
came here in large part because he had a spirit and a nastiness to him on the defensive end in particular, where he was not going to back down from a bigger player than him. He was really going to compete on the defensive end. I, I think he's been better on offense not not this game, of course, but in this series, I, I think he's been better on offense than than others have, have thought he's been. But I've been disappointed with him on the defensive end, even really through the end of the regular season prior to the health, health and safety protocols. Part of that was LeBron and AD being out and shouldering the burden of being a first option. A lot of times a player's defensive contributions will drop as a function of that. But I was hoping to see that more when... LeBron and AD got back or and even and LeBron especially as a ball handler who could take some of the burden away from Dennis and I I was really disappointed by the 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 spirit that he played with because he was so full of that earlier in the season and then KCP is so deep in his head I don't know we, you saw that shot of him on the bench where he's struggling you know and Pete I would just I would read that a little bit more as that he's he's hurt right like yeah, he, yeah. he's you know, so he right. So he's frustrated that he can't. Yeah, sure. I mean, so he's hurt. Like he's so they were basically down two starters uh, That's, tonight. That, be, yes, like those things are related. I think, but you're you're not wrong. Like he absolutely struggled. He wasn't wanting to shoot the ball, but like he's not moving right. That, that's thank you for pointing that out. That that needs to be said. Uh, he's also in game two was someone who LeBron had was up in his ear saying. You got to shoot. And that's something that where a lot of our players were passing up jumpers. I think that part of our spirit breaking on the defensive end is a certain degree of like, fuck, none of our jumpers are falling. And it's hard, man. It's hard to compete and rotate. You have to be so coordinated, so focused that if you have just a fraction of that, Darius, that a fraction of that, like, man, this is just not working out. That can be, it can become an avalanche very quickly. Well, I would just say too, that coupled with the other team being on fire, Right. That, that's one of the reasons why the Lakers spirit got broken. This for game sure is it's just like <laughs> we've all played the game even at <clears throat> at a lower level. Right. Or played pickup at some point. And, you know, that when nothing seems to be going right for you and everything seems to be going right for the other guy, mm-hmm. that it's like you're like, all right, well, can we sim? to the end of the to the end of this <laughs> right. game or uh-huh. or like let me right those are the throw your controller moments and there's a frustration but you're out there competing in real mm-hmm. life and so it's not and I'm angry and I'm going to you you know throw something it's yeah. like holy shit there's 40 more minutes of this and how do right. I get myself out of it and I don't think they mm-hmm. saw the path if they're in the corn maze Every turn that they took, there's like another wall. It was just the sense that I got from them. And it wasn't until the game was like blown open that anyone played with any sense of like freedom, Mm -hmm. right? And if there's a silver lining from this game, it was sort of like, okay, that's out of our system now a little bit. And maybe we can reset. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. Yeah, I think that's an optimistic point of view, honestly. My... I so what you just described that moment of like we don't see a path that happened too early for my taste in yes. this game that happens but like it, that shouldn't happen in the the second quarter and for us the nature of our team especially with Anthony Davis out our 
path is always going to be on the defensive end. It's going to be kicking ass, making our rotations, closing out hard, rotating, helping the helper, all of the principles that that have made this team what they are this season. And I thought I, I got the impression that our offense and yes, yeah, certainly the other team being hot, right? When the thing that we pride ourselves on the most on the defensive end when one guy, and that's why Booker really delivered body blows is because he attacked us right at the heart of what it, what it is that we do best. The, how do we get back into this game? We play better defense. He attacked us right in that. And so that was the big body blow there. Um, and so it just bothered me that that point, which is absolutely right. It happened too early for my taste. And it's, it speaks to effort is something that needs to be practiced. That's part of something that, the idea of flipping a switch, it's difficult. And that concept's always talked about in with defending champions. There's a fine line where you can't, Darius, you brought up the 2011 Lakers yeah. a while back, right? And there's a point where like you try to flip the switch, but that's like you can't quite get there. It's much more of a process than a binary on and off type of thing. So let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to talk to you guys, ask you, do we have a shot in game six? Can we rebound from this? If you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, access to our community discord, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all the other listening platforms. And the best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com backslash join. That's bwhustle.com backslash join. Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions, and now they want to help even more. With a Credit Karma money spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. When you use your Credit Karma Money debit card, you can win daily Instant Karma purchase reimbursements on items up to $5,000. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Credit Karma Money has already given away over $3 million in Instant Karma to 50,000 Credit Karma members and counting. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. 
There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll be automatically entered to win $1 million. Credit Karma money. Progress starts here. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning instant karma. That's creditkarma.com backslash win money. Instant karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MBB Bank Incorporated, member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. So, Mike, we don't know if AD is going to play. If he does, I think that it's fair to assume that he will be limited, right? To what degree, we don't know. Can we pull this off in either the absence of him or with a limited version of him? So a couple things. First of all, what we know from just directly after the game about AD that's most clear is probably from LeBron, who was asked, do you expect that you're going to have AD? And he said, I'm paraphrasing. Basically, we're, I'm planning on not. Like uh, prepping for this game is if he's not going to play. And if, if something changes, great. If he does play, great. But we have to be ready to find a way to go home and beat this current Phoenix team without AD. And mm-hmm. to do that, they're going to, you know, then I, I kind of followed up and asked about what to do about the way that they're playing defense, which is swarming four ple- uh, people to LeBron in the paint. He inevitably ends up making the correct pass, still getting guys open threes, and most of them don't fall. And then, you know, Phoenix goes, goes down in transition, right? The, and that's, again, that's part of that whole snowball thing is that stuff builds on itself. So the the thing that I want to introduce into this, and it's it certainly sucks to be on the side of a from a from the way we're looking at this from a Lakers perspective, but Chris Paul and his shoulder, how how much does that affect him? In game six, like because the way that the teams are matching up right now, there isn't that obvious immediate answer. And whether we do it on a separate pod or or do it right now, there are some things and I know you guys have some uh, some specific ideas. But if Chris Paul's not right, maybe that can that a little thing like that or not a little thing, a potentially big thing like that could introduce some of the swag back into the Lakers where all of a sudden they're like, okay, well, hold on. We don't have AD, but they don't have Chris Paul to the same degree. And they get some kind of a charge from that, which was absent, not just in game five, but in the second half of game four. And that's the troubling part is that this is now they, they had a, a half of film to watch to figure out how to attack this Suns team without AD. And then we saw what we saw in the, in the first half, especially. And they had some ideas. They had some answers. None of it really worked. So that's that's the pessimistic uh, side of this is that. If there was something that they could go to, then we would have seen it more aside from just making shots. And that can happen, right? Darius, like that could happen. They could just make shots in game six and funny how things turn out differently. Um, if that's the case. Can they please? You know? Can, well, can they please make shots, Mike? I would very much like for the Lakers make some of their shots offense to return. Because let me tell you this, Pete, to answer your question, um, the Lakers only make 20% of their three point shots. That version of the Lakers is not going to come nope, back in this. No, series, not right. No. And so look, I love to talk X's and O's with both of you guys. 
you you know, Pete, when when we started this pod, what seems like, I don't know, the way these games go, it takes years off of my life. So maybe it was 50 years ago we started this pod. <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's like we're in inception here. I, f- I feel like that was like the core of so much of our discussion was just like, what is the team doing on the court? And, and it's what I've been doing at the site that I've that I've run for such a long time. Like, let's talk about the game. Right. And the game can be complicated in all of these ways, but sometimes it truly is a make or miss league. And the Lakers have been playing in a miss league for too much of this series. I guarantee you stick the truth serum in LeBron's arm. You stick it in Frank Vogel's arm. You stick it in any of the other players' arms, including the Lakers shooters. They're going to tell you what's the difference in this series. Like, yeah, we need to make shots, right? And Vogel has said it. Our shooters have to find a way to make shots. LeBron has said Our shooters, they have to find a way to make shots. And so I don't want to make this more complicated than what it actually is. If the Lakers go, look, LeBron got hot there for a minute, but at one point they were, what, another three for 16, three for 17 at some point from distance. Like, and we can, and we can win games like that. If Anthony Davis is playing, which we did because we didn't shoot well in those games either, but in the absence of him, it's just, it, that can't happen. Yeah. Because AD gives you advantages on the backboards and he gives you advantages mm-hmm. at the free throw line and he gives you advantage, other advantages defensively, right. That allow you to compensate. Right. But even then, it's like, help me help you. I'm a big fan of help me help you. Dennis is getting his ass kicked offensively a lot this series, Pete. Like, I know that you're saying that he's been better or like in your mind or in what you're seeing. And and you watch this closer and more often. So I trust your eye on what you're saying. But like some of the things that I'm seeing, too, is like, look. LeBron is 6'9", 265, right? The defense collapses on him. He can see over the top. Mm-hmm. He can bully those guys a little bit. He can knock guys back in space. He can elevate over the top. He's got solutions to problems that when you're 6'1", 175 pounds, you don't have those same solutions, Right. And so when I say Dennis is getting his ass kicked, a lot of that isn't because he's no longer a good basketball player. It's because no one is helping him be able to play to the level at which he can play and what the strengths of his game actually are, which are getting downhill, finishing at the basket, like playing in using his quickness and slashing ability to get to spots on the floor that are not occupied by the other team's defenders. And you can freeze frame any Lakers offensive possession at any given point in the shot clock, and you're going to see at least two, two players and usually three or four and all of them with a foot inside the paint. And that's to limit LeBron. And that's to limit LeBron, but that's limiting Dennis. He wants to get to the same places on the floor that LeBron wants to get to. But like I said, 
he's he's not LeBron's size, and he's not the same athlete. Well, it, it's the lack of shooting becomes a vicious cycle in that we're not hitting shots, and so Phoenix inches a little bit more into the paint to clog the paint, and then we're kicking it out. And we're not making shots. And so they're inching a little more. And you've seen that. If you watch from game one to game five, they are more and more confident with like, now we're not, we're just not, not going to let LeBron get to the rim. And we can put enough bodies in here, beat us with open shots. And you have not done that through five games to the point where Mike, that's, you know, as Darius is saying, we can talk about all the X's and O's. It is largely a make or miss league. And we're so bad from behind the arc right now that, the natural counter to what Phoenix is doing, which is just make open shots because those shots are open because they are packed in the paint. We just can't do it. Totally. And and I think it's a, it's a good point that Darius is making about Schroeder. And it's one of my favorite points in NBA history about why small guards are less effective in the postseason. Mm-hmm. You it, say this all the time. Yeah. yeah. Literally. It's the whole point of the, it's just straight physics. Like it, the rim is 10 feet, you know, the Lakers last year, overpowered everybody and they didn't even have that they didn't even play a small guard ever they did like they didn't have to because Quinn of, cook was the only small guard on the entire roster yeah and, and he right now i mean because rondo isn't that small you know rondo isn't like rondo is especially with his wingspan right yeah he's functionally bigger and he and like it this is where you start to think it's so difficult when you start to compare like this year's team to last year's team in for a while when lebron and ad were healthy early in the season Harrell and Schroeder, they helped the Lakers look like the Lakers when Denver started awful, um, who went deep into the postseason, when Boston started awful, when Miami started awful. And now, you know, Denver ends up winning in double OT tonight. They may well get out of this series. But, uh, you know, I, I and if depending on who wins this series, but certainly Phoenix has the advantage right now. I think that I think that it'd be fair to pick Phoenix in that type of matchup. Like so. The last last season and the lack of practice and all that stuff ha- took its toll. But the personnel stuff now is starting to become a little more apparent also in that Harrell um, not trusted to play in the first three quarters of this matchup, right? In a And this is your mid-level exception, kind of, you know, exciting acquisition in the offseason. And Shooter is a little more complicated. Uh, a couple things, like he was really in a nice rhythm before the second health and safety protocol thing. But then the size part of it, without being a knockdown shooter, that's made it. That's made what they're doing to LeBron impact him as well. And I thought Darius laid it out perfectly, so um, I won't try to make the same point again. And all of this, Pete, to kind of kick a question back to you, going into Game Six, aside from the make miss thing, you know what? What are they going to try to figure out for then? Because. Phoenix, Phoenix is looking at that film and they're thinking we're playing the same. This is what we're doing now. The Lakers can't beat this. They can't beat this. They don't have an answer for this. Uh, they, they even tried to start marking Caruso in the right. And they tried to go to that. That didn't work. I mean, the that, game was already over at that point, though. Yeah, right? but, That's to find rhythm like that team. They didn't they didn't put a 10-0 run on. Phoenix and start to get to open spots. And, and I know the game was over, but that's what you do when you're down in the blowout. That's why LeBron was in. Cause they're like, okay, can we find, can we take something from here and bring it into well, game six? Well, also too, just to second Mike's Mike's point is if there's four minutes left in the third quarter and you're no longer down 30, you're down 16 because that's why you play your guys is not because you're trying to make two runs. 
I know that the game was over. I and, know the game it was, was over. O- it was over in large part because the team had disengaged. They had given up to some extent. That's why you're down by 30 at halftime is because you have been like, all right, this is not our night. And you've stopped. So to me, the second half in large part is is useless. There are some things that you can get from it. I thought that individual rhythm, and that's one of the things LeBron went on a decent scoring flurry in at the end of his his last shift at the end of the third quarter, where it was where I was like, hey, that's something to c- carry forward in terms of just scoring rhythm that oh, he can. Right, he had five to seven threes in the third quarter. Right, right. And so that's like, okay, that's that's important. But in terms of like deriving five on five type of conclusions, I I don't really derive much at that point. It's more of an individual. Can Kuz see the ball go in the basket a couple of times? KCP couldn't have come back in, but if he could have, that fourth quarter would have been a great time to be like, KCP, get eight shots up in this quarter, right? To get some rhythm going forward. But on a collective basis, I don't view those minutes as as important and so to answer your question mike i would like to see us go to that starting mark at the five and even though mark was rough and that would require some defensive adjustments to make that work but maximizing spacing and getting as many shooters on the floor that can also defend so i i again would like to advocate for and even I mean, heck, even in, in a do or die scenario, if does, Dennis doesn't have it, I'd have a quick trigger with him uh, to, to pull him and go to Caruso instead. But I would like to see a starting lineup of Dennis, KCP, Wes, LeBron, and Mark, if AD is out, to help maximize the spacing, to get as many guys who can shoot the ball. Hopefully KCP, KCP can play. But maximizing spacing and driving lanes has to be our, our number one emphasis, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, and in all, and so basketball wise, that makes sense, right? If these, if we're, if we're just taking these guys for what their skill set is, and putting them in those spots, but what that also does is goes another step past no cohesion from the previous game. One hundred percent. This is what happens when teams start to lose series, right? Is yeah. you, we were, we were on the other side of this last year, where it was like, hey, Miami's on like Plan D right now, and at some point you get too deep into the alphabet, and it's like these dudes don't know how to play with each other, and we've been in that place for a long time this and, season. And this is the point of frustration again with the AD injury because once we saw real AD in Game Two, Phoenix mm-hmm. didn't have anything else nope. bag to go to. For that, nope. they had to hope the Lakers miss shots, and mm-hmm. you know, and then AD again. It was his knee to start in that game where he wasn't able to attack the same way, and then the groin goes, and so that was there. The Lakers always had that there, and, the, and Phoenix didn't have an adjustment. I think we could, if we would have looked forward and thought Denver or Portland, they didn't have an answer for that. Mm-hmm. Nope. Maybe Utah or the Clippers would have, uh, based on how that. But like that was why you're starting to think back to okay. For everything that's gone on in this in this just tough season, the Lakers are back in the driver's seat at least for a shot at the title. Mm-hmm. And then boom, there the there goes the AD thing, and it's uh, and now here we are, right, searching for answers. You know that the coaches are staying up all night trying to do the same thing, and uh, and that's yeah, that's the that's the difficulty and the reality of where they're at. The biggest thing I would say too is that. This is literally win or, and I was going to say, or go home, but I mean, or stay home, Mm -hmm. right? And 
there is a level of competitiveness that you just want to see and resolve, yeah. right? And I said this to you guys before, but um, I'll repeat it now, is, is that resolve is typically born from cohesion to me, right? And that the more cohesion you have, the more sort of group resolve that you can call on, right? Mm -hmm. Because individual players will have resolve. Right. Right, because they have, they have professional pride and they're professional athletes and they've they're gotten, internally motivated and yes. they've gotten to this level for a reason right? right and so when the chips are down if if you put lebron out there one on one right and it's and it's game point for the other guy guess how high the knob is going to get turned up for lebron it's just, he's got that personal pride mm -hmm. right but you need collective spirit you need collective pride and there's going to be a certain amount of that required from this team the next game. And so for all of the X's and O's stuff, and they can do, look, they can counter more stuff. They can set more flare screens. They can cut with more purpose and with better timing and, and, and from the right spots on the floor. They can do several things to increase their shot quality. They can tighten up stuff that they've been doing defensively particularly on on Devin Booker I think if we record another pod before game six then we'll get into some of that stuff right but if to go back to the question that was posed much earlier like like can the Lakers turn it around and I think that that was your question Pete yes they can right but Frank Vogel in his post game Mike you asked him a question and his response was basically, we'll see. We'll see how much this team wants it. We'll see. And it, it was sort of a call to arms from him. Mm -hmm. And it's not, and it wasn't super out there to me, but it was probably the most on the nose thing that I've seen him do in terms of specifically calling out for his guys to respond, right? And, and he's looking for it. And you just hit on a point that right now things do seem dark, right? AD seems unlikely to play in that game. KCP, you might even think, is unlikely based on just not really being able to play and give, give himself a go. But they, there is a path to just winning game six. It's at home. The energy is not going to go like it did in the first quarter, right? Even if Phoenix makes some shots, the crowd is going to bring the Lakers back they are going to have some guys that that put themselves on the line for it and if they just find a way to win that game you know look is phoenix going to be lit again in game seven are those guys going to have an advantage yes but it's also a game seven and stuff can happen and you don't know how healthy chris paul is like they're all of these things that the lakers have to be they have to remain with that with some level of hey yes this series can still be won and that's how they they have to go into it all the rest of the stuff be damned just play your ass off they kicked your ass, and now, like, here's what it is with them on the line. The first time we've seen the Lakers in an elimination game um, in the postseason. So, like Frank said, let's see what they got. Yeah, that requires a certain underlying want to, right? Because the other side of that, what we see from playoff teams on the brink of elimination, is we can see guys like, yo, my vacation is about to start. 
wouldn't be the first time in Lakers history that that happened, right? So I I am pessimistic about game six. If AD doesn't play, I'd be very surprised if we won the game. And the reason is because we don't have much to fall back on. And that that combined with the packing it in as early as they did in this game, I'm like, hmm, that's a bad sign going forward. Like sometimes you get your ass kicked in the NBA. That's that's going to happen. Sometimes a guy like Devin Booker is going to drop 18 on you in a quarter. But the combination of factors, it's been it's been heading in a bad direction to where we last year. I think we could have survived some time without AD. And, uh, and an, an early round series. Now, mind you, this is different since we're a seven seed. We're playing a very good team in the Phoenix Suns. And so they're much better than the Portland Trailblazers were, say, in the first round last year. But last year, we had that cohesion. We ha- we did have something to fall back on. We had guys that knew how to play to- with each other and together that competed. And there was a sense of greater purpose that underlied that that we don't have this year for a number of reasons. Some are not our fault with the injuries. Some are. And if we have to do a postseason autopsy of why this season went the way it did, we can get more into that. But ultimately, I think that if AD doesn't play or is greatly limited when he does, I I think we're in bad shape. And and so my final thought on that would be, yeah, like Phoenix is the favorite now. Like they, sure. they are it, it, when, if almost any matchup in this, uh, in this round, even, and certainly as you go forward, if a star goes down, it's tough. Okay. Mm-hmm. For, and take, take uh, take any other matchup you want and we can go through them all. I don't think we need to right now. So I've just, the point I was trying to make, and I, I, I know you guys agree are the Lakers have to think about how the possibilities for it to happen, but we haven't had to do that the last couple of years, right? It's been the opposite. Mm-hmm. It, the other teams have tried to, well, if the Lakers don't make their shots, or if LeBron has an off game, now the Lakers were in that position, right? Yep. And so mm-hmm. they, that's it's just that's just where it is, Darius. It that's exactly where where it is. And you know, look, I'm going to remain defiant because I just am. I I brought up that 2011 series before, and I know it's like a black mark and. The Lakers got swept by the eventual world champions. But I still remember Kobe after game three, sort of just like, look, there, these are problems to be solved. And the playoffs are about problem solving. Mm-hmm. And the Lakers got some problems right now, and Phoenix is presenting some problems to them. And every problem has a solution. You just have to get there. Right. You do. And I don't know if the Lakers have enough to solve I, these 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 problems. And it's looking mm-hmm. very unlikely that they actually do. I think the points that you guys made are, are astute and sharp and exactly what what it is. But I'll I'll accept the defeat if and when the defeat comes until then. I'm just going to be like, look, this team can play well enough in one game to win one game and we'll see if they can do it, but they need to play play desperately for that to happen. And that was, that is why the absence of that, at least for very long at all in this game makes me pessimistic about the presence of it going forward. Do I, do I think that we could win a game six or win the series? Absolutely. 
But in order to do that, we need to be flying around on the defensive end. We need to be communicating. We need to be diving for every loose ball. Like that, that's one thing in that second quarter, for example, Phoenix was just kicking our ass on the boards. It was it was very obvious which team was playing harder. Like I said, you don't have to know much about basketball to be like, oh yeah, that team is just moving way better than the other team is. And so to make up for the absence of an AD, can it be done? Yes. But you have to do certain things that this team has not shown consistently throughout the season. Can they muster it in a game six? They're going to have to. And if yeah. not, we're going home. That's exactly right. And the last time I saw LeBron James play at like an elimination game in a series that was there to be won, basically, or lost, right? It was the series against the Pacers in his last year in Cleveland. And it was a game seven, and LeBron had basically sort of just, I don't want to say sleepwalk because he's LeBron, right? But he had not gone to every last thing in in his bag that series in in order to try to win. And in game seven, he basically said, F it, I'm winning this game. I'm going to the post. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And we're going to win. And I don't know if this Suns team is so, is just good. They're just good. And they may be, even if Braun goes to that, it may not be enough. But that's the part of me that I'm holding that in reserve a little bit. That I think it's optimistic to think it's there, right? Like LeBron hasn't been able to go to that yet. And maybe game six is the game where he goes to that. But through five games, like LeBron's been good in this series because he's LeBron. But as a scorer, he's not hasn't been particularly dynamic. He, he did have so Pete, he did have it in game three. And that was after AD beat the Suns up you know, especially in game two, and they had to react to him, right? And then LeBron, that was the game where LeBron took, I think, I think 20 attempts in the paint, like, which was his most of the year. And mm-hmm. he, I think it was, maybe it was eight for 12. So like, that was when, that was again, when I text the group thread and like, see, you know, here, here they sure. are. But he's sure. removed from that equation. And that's where, you know, I, again, I'm not going to call it pessimism from you. I think it's realism. You, they lost, Anthony Davis, okay, Mm -hmm. was the, what, second best player in the playoffs last year? And Mm -hmm. they're hurting because of it. Uh, But they, but like, I'm now, I'm now somewhere in between you guys. But I think that it's more or less, like, you know, we we could talk about it all day, uh, as we just did for some of it. But like, they're in trouble. They know they're in trouble. Mm -hmm. But that doesn't mean that they, that doesn't mean that they have the attitude, right, of the series is over. They can't do that. They have to have more pride than that. Uh, and and that could play into Darius's point because if they can if they can call upon that they can win Game Six uh, and then who knows? But we've never been in a who knows before with the Lakers. We've been in a they should win this series in five, mm-hmm. and so things have flipped. Absolutely, and we'll see we'll see the level of of commitment and desire. Like Vogel said, we'll see how much they want it. Um, we'll be here either way after Game Six, but uh, and we'll have another pot out to uh, kind of break down what some of the adjustments and kind of the directions that that we can go in. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tips to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. That next to the winner. It's on the way. Good. Kobe Bryant. 
as an NBA Finals record. A lot of Laker fans okay, sticking so around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Bryant spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two. Listen. It's over. Shot clock out of five. Bryant. Yeah. With a little tap to Albert Gentry. Add insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.